I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Carl Mack. Welcome back to Combat Chronicles. And it's all about boxing today. It's been boxing heavy this week. Uh, boxing episode on the Patreon. Got a boxing day on this episode. Just a little quick one. Free uh, title fights to talk about. Some more than others. Um, certainly going to start off with a cruiserweight title fight that I wasn't really looking forward to. Uh, guess kind of really didn't enjoy for long stretches, but I've come away feeling pretty positive about Lawrence Sicoli. Well beaten by decision, more on that in a minute, by Chris Billum-Smith. Fight was just down the road for me, uh, about a half hour drive. Didn't go, um, thank fuck, because there was absolute carnage in the stands uh, most of the night. I think that's why I bumped into Billy Joe Saunders in my native uh, Southampton the other week, because I think he's down there. I think he's maybe part of Chris Billum-Smith's camp, or someone's camp, not sure. Um, he's involved with someone, for sure. Um, but yeah, Chris Billum-Smith, I thought, one clearly. The fight was not easy on the eyes for some of it. Billum Smith did a good job of occupying a Coley, you know, doubling up, tripping up his jab, just keeping it in front of him, not always landing it, but just always giving him something to think about. So able to walk him onto left hands and a Coley who is just known as this octopus, this horrible clinch fight. He's so long. He's got he's a really good puncher, a Coley. I don't mean in terms of power, though he does have some good raw power. He just he makes Henry Akin one day look like fucking Archiro Gatti, I guess. He just he said after the fight, you know, I had some good moments but I smothered my work. He always smothers his work. He punches into clinches and not really to work. He is just constantly grabbing over his opponent. He does it all the time. To see the reaction on Twitter last night, it was like, oh, this is quite a big fight on Sky. It's on a decent time. Feels like more people never are watching Lawrence Acoli, even though he was a sort of top amateur. Fought in, I think he was, I think he was Olympian, but he definitely fought uh, in the World Series of Boxing, and you know he's a mainstay of Team GB for years. Feels like more people than ever last night seem to realise how fucking tedious he is to watch. As the fight wore on, though, Billum Smith was able to sort of just create enough separation and clip Acoli with shots. And Acoli, when he's hurt, he just just sort of fall over. Um, this happened against. Erislandi Savon in the World Series of Boxing actually posted a clip last night. If he gets hurt, he'll grab Oldie. If you keep hitting him while he grabs Oldie, he just sort of falls down to the floor. Really awful uh, in terms of optics. He just didn't want to. He didn't want to stay up, and he didn't want to get hit. So he grab old, and then if you're still hitting him when he grab old, he just sort of stumbles to the floor. 
we talk about the stumbles to the floor. The first knockdown was a real clean uh, left hook as he was sort of turning away from the shot and uh, just sort of, Billum Smith just walked him into the left hook and splattered him and he was badly hurt, Akoli. I've got to give Akoli a bit of credit though. He did really try and uh, hard to fight back at times. It's like when it seemed like it was all, all but lost for him, and we're going to talk about why in a second, he did still manage to land some really big shots, banging them off of Chris Billum Smith's chin. Um... The new champion really did wear them shots well. There was a couple of times where he looked like his knees just dipped for a second. He just plowed forward. That looks good for optics as well. You know, that's going to take the edge off it a bit. Matter of fact, I think in the 10th, maybe the 10th round, might maybe only a 10-9 because Akoli landed some really big shots in that round, if I remember correctly, even though he was dropped. And that was somewhat of a, as one of these messy knockdowns. Um, maybe it was only a 10-9, maybe it was still a 10-8. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Two-point deductions for the clinching, very happy to say so. Not sure if it would have happened anywhere other than uh, Bournemouth, where Chris Billum-Smith is based. But um, they, he did indeed, even as champion, get two points taken off of him, Lawrence Ocoli, and officially knocked down three times. So there's five points straight away. How the fuck have we got a scorecard of 1-1-2, 1-1-2? That suggests the five-point deductions... A scorecard of 117112. 117111 would be 9 3. So we're assuming here that it's, uh, what, uh, 9, how does it work? 921, something like that. There's an even card, there's an even round in there somewhere. So basically, the only rounds that Akoli didn't win are the ones that he was dropped in. It seems like they even gave him rounds that had points taken off him. I'm not really sure how it worked at all. I have no idea how they came to that. Uh, how that scorecard was come to. Um, for me, uh, I thought probably 8-4, uh, Chris Billum-Smith. So 1-1-6, 1-1-2. Take away 5, we're at 1-1-6, That gives you an idea of disparity between my scorecard and a drawn scorecard. Don't really see any justification for that whatsoever. Um, yeah, Lawrence Ocoli, I don't... He left Eddie Earn, he went with Boxer, I think, uh, who are now running on Sky of Seeks, Matroom have gone over to Dizone. Don't think anyone's going to really want to touch him with a barge pole. He apparently has a, a rematch clause. Not sure how much of that will be dictated by his party, whether he'll be able to get it outside of Bournemouth or he'll be able to fight somewhere else. Might as well do it in Bournemouth, even though there was crowd trouble. Looked pretty darn good at that venue, but as the year goes on, if he doesn't get that rematch relatively quickly, outdoor venue, that's going to be off the table and... Uh, Seemed to sell quite well. It's going to be way too big for the the BIC or something, which is another really good uh, another good venue in Bournemouth. Has been used recently for the boxing and has worked really really well. So um, you got three venues there. You got the uh, Bournemouth O2, which used to be the Opera House, which is really small scale uh, events, and you got the BIC, which is a, a big uh, concert hall, which has been used recently to great effect. And now obviously they're using the uh, football stadium as well, which I was kind of dubious of. I thought there's no way they're going to sell. Um, you know, tickets for this sort of fight. Cody's not a draw. I know Billum Smith's a local guy, but I didn't think it was going to sell it well. But it looked to be pretty darn healthy in there. And uh, yeah, aside from the crowd trouble, good atmosphere. Um, guy local to me, Joe Pickford, was uh, thoroughly outclassed and stopped by Sam Eggington. Basically, two sort of brawler types. Uh, Pickford, a really big puncher. I've seen that uh, firsthand. Um, saw his debut back in the day. I've watched him spar close. Really top lad, Joe. It was a shame to see him go out like that. But Eggington was like, right. You're the new guy. You're the new face first action fighter. I have. Well, I've been doing this for a while and I've just got more nails to my game. And unfortunately, he picked Pickford apart and beat him to a standstill in, in was it the fifth or sixth round? 
should have been stopped a bit sooner. But um, yeah, you know, Eggington, it's weird of Eggington. He's had so many wars over the years, but he's still got uh, more left in the tank, it's, it seems. And Pickford, you know, his career's been completely up and down in terms of activity. Gets back out, put him into a good fight. Really, really tantalising fight. But unfortunately, uh, it was not the uh, knockdown drag out war we expected. And uh, Eggington got the win uh, in some style. Working our way down the weights, gone. What, cruiserweight, light middleweight, now down to featherweight because both halves of last year's Combat Chronicles fight of the year were in action at featherweight. We had Michael Conlon fighting and Lee Wood fighting. Let's talk about Lee Wood first. I'm not going to talk too much about the Condon fight. Uh, it was fun, but, you know, less significant in my opinion, but fun all the same. And although they had more drama in the ring, I think certainly the Lee Wood Mauricio Lara rematch had way more drama outside of it now a few things episode 41 i spoke about the first bout and might have mentioned it on there but i know for a fact that definitely online i've uh, been very against the idea of lee wood taking this immediate rematch he was very adamant that he wanted it now he had no way of knowing of course that risho lara was going to completely botch the weight this week i've heard a couple of conflicting uh piece of information as to how heavy lara actually was but the British Bull will not allow him to weigh any more than 128 pounds. Belt, of course, uh, featherweight title, set 126. So Wood made weight, titles on the line for him. Lara did not. And uh, Lara's a guy who does rely on explosive moments, on big moments. We saw that uh, in the first Leewood fight. We saw it in other bouts of his as well. Um, but, you know, he is eye-catching. He is an explosive fighter. In this fight, he did very much look like a depleted version of that style of fighter. He did look drained, did look... Off Lee Wood did what he does what he does really really well. Um, what Lee Wood does not do well is he gets a little bit overzealous. He's quite straight on at times defensively, offensively he's very dynamic. Um, but he can get caught walking in. He will often fall over just a little bit over his over his front foot and walk himself into a shot. And Bilal was not really able to capitalise on that. And Wood for the most part in this fight was the was the matador. Um, and actually he went forward very very well. My only problem with Lee Wood is he's got a wand of a left hand. Absolutely fantastic. But he does always use it to advance. I'd love to see him uh, just stay on the end of that jab and not get himself into perilous situations. But wasn't really much of a factor in this one. Dominated the belt. Maybe I gave Lara one or two rounds. Um, but, you know, Wood, that left hand's fantastic. Constantly fighting, constantly pray probing, constantly touching his opponent's lead glove, level changing, you know, jab upstairs, downstairs, then walk you on to a right hand. Constantly doing this. As I say, the left hand does usually mean that he's going to step forward and try and throw that uh, that right hand of his. But on this, we saw hooking off the off the jab as well. Um, that that jab, that omnipresent left hand, was what set up the right uppercut coming from underneath, which scored that second round knockdown. All the momentum was on Leewood's side. Uh, technically brilliant offensively. Uh, he's never going to be a defensive savant, but. Uh, what um, Lee Wiley and Ben Davidson have done to bring him along and add so many extra tools with his game. I do think that offensively, Lee, um, Lee Wood is brilliant. He's great to watch. Dangerous fighter. Fights out of his skin every time you see him. Has overachieved, in my opinion, based on what we saw of him early on in his career. He is truly a world-level operator, in my opinion. He's not elite, but offensively, he's brilliant. I really do think he's a brilliant, dynamic, offensive fighter. And do you know what? He was right to take the rematch. He didn't know that Lara was going to be um, weight-drained. 
even if he was, he certainly looked off to me. Um, and it plays into the, you know, not the narrative, but certainly based on the other information we've got, I think it sort of makes sense entirely that Lara was a bit off. But actually, what Lee Wood must have thought is, fuck, I saw enough moments in that first fight. If I didn't get caught those couple of times, I could do him. That confidence, I love it. And his team have gone, yeah, fuck it, let's go for it. And really, he won't punch perfect in this by any means, but got himself through the uh, rare tough moments that he had because he did clipped a couple of times and, you know, just constantly gave Lara loads to think about um, and, you know, kept it safe late on, stayed on his feet, done done the job, clean win. He can now put that to bed. Lara will probably move up and wait. He can now say what so many others can't say, which is, I beat Lara, went back to the well, beat him clean, didn't get put on my ass. Um, and he's got big fights coming up. He probably can fight Josh Warrington now in a big one, even though Warrington's not in a great run of form. Or he can fight the guy that's just splattered Michael Conlon and had previously beaten Josh Warrington. Give a sense of turning the tide and stop the onslaughts of Lopez. Like that, like that right hand. Yes, Followed up by a solid body shot. Oh my goodness. From Conlon down and the towel has come in. He's gone straight in. They've said it's off. And they've put the towel in and Conlon is beaten. Lopez is the champion still. And instantly as Conlon went down, Adam Booth hurled the towel into the ring. And he's on the canvas and doesn't really know where he is. So yes, uh, Luis Alberto Lopez of Mexico splattering Michael Conlon of Ireland in the fifth round of what was a fucking brilliant fight and will surely be um, vying for fight of the year honours uh, in the end of the year awards uh, This on this podcast. I um, don't think it'll win it, but it will certainly be an honourable mention, at least really fun stuff. And we see the good and the bad about Conlon. You know, early on, he's actually pivoting, actually trying to get, you know, not let his man stay in front of him, hitting him with combos, using his southpaw stance to um, get underneath the uh, lead elbow of Lopez, pivot off, and then not allow him to return fire. Very, very quickly devolves into a slugfest. And that's the problem with Conlon. He's not very slick. He wants to be an all-action brawler. He's got that uh, world amateur uh, championship pedigree, Olympic pedigree. Um, but unfortunately, despite all the skills that he did have as an amateur, and, you know, he was never like a totally elusive slick boxer then, but now he is more like John Duddy. Makes the fun fights, but Adam Booth throwing the towel so quickly there, it tells me a few things. He knows his fighter. He knows he's done. And I wonder what sparring's been like. Is this guy always getting in the wars? Colin now has been, and I hate to use the word again, but he's been splattered now twice in a year. He was sparked in scary fashion. I had to go to the hospital after the uh, 2022 Combat Chronicles fight of the year against Lee Wood. The aforementioned Lee Wood knocked out of the ring. Horrendous knockout. Amazing fight. Great performance from Conlon. Um, had his moments and was half of an absolute classic, a modern classic, an all-time classic. If you haven't seen that fight, go back and check it out. But in this one, you know, he has his moments. He absolutely does hurt Lopez. There is moments where he's, as I say, tucking that body shot underneath and coming back over the top, catching Lopez, stunning him. Lopez is a weird fighter, really awkward, um, sort of holds his feet a lot and just throws these really weird choppy shots. He's like me on the bag, um, but he's obviously very good at what he does, uh, unlike me. Um, He'll come underneath and then chop over the top and he's just awkward throws his shots with a really weird trajectory. It's hard to see his shots come in. You sort of never know when he's going to explode into this salvo of punches. Um, 
Conlon just looks you know, more classically trained. He's a sharper, really fast combination puncher. As I say, he is a quality uh, pressure fighter, but he hasn't really got the... the what's, your, what's the best way of putting this? He ain't got the minerals to keep it up. Yeah, we saw it against Lee Woody eventually capitulate. We've seen it here against Lopez. He's been uh, in other fights as well. Um, and yeah, Lopez just has stuck in there, took his licks, was happy to have Conlon in front of him and eventually come underneath with the uppercut. And as you were from that clip, sort of against the, the, the run of play because even though he'd had his moments and it hurt Conlon more than once and it backed him up, staggered him, etc., Conlon was having, in my opinion, more moments. But Lopez, his shots have seen have a bit more thunder behind him. And he's he's taken Conlon out there. I'd love to see uh, Luis Alberto Lopez fight Lee Wood in the unification. I'm pretty sure that um, that could be arranged. I think it's a better fight. I think uh, you haven't got to worry about um, Josh Warrington, who's with DAZN, and, and Lee Wood. Uh, is Lee Wood with DAZN? Yeah, sure he is. Yeah, they're both with DAZN. So they probably will make... Um, Lee Wood and uh, Josh Warrington first because, you know, they could probably do it at an outdoor stadium in Nottingham or Leeds. I think Lee Wood deserves as champion and on the way better form uh, to get um, his choice of stadium. If he's going to fight in fucking football stadium in Nottingham, that would be fantastic. Um, but at the same time, Luis Alberto Lopez, he's fought in Belfast now. He fought in Leeds against Warrington. He battered uh, Isaac Lowe at York Hall. He's fought all over. Um, he will gladly come over here and fight in a unification. He's got the uh, IBF and Lee Wood's got the WBA. I think stylistically is such an interesting one. As I said earlier, you know, Lee Wood's just so much more skilled, really. But he is hittable. You think that he'd be able to boss it behind that length, but he is hittable. And Lopez just can absorb big shots, which Lee Wood will throw. And I could just see him chopping in the wood. And we'll, I think we'll see a great, great fight between those two. Um, Lopez has never been stopped as far as I know. I've only seen like, what, four or five of his fights now, all the ones since he started fighting over here recently. I never haven't really paid attention to his uh, career before that, which is weird because, you know, back in the day when you... I mean, I was an MMA fan for years, but, you know, I was covering boxing more intensely. I was a kickboxing fan, but again, I was only really covering boxing. When you're trying to cover all the sports, and you're in your mid-30s, and you've got a full-time job, you know, you actually got to pay attention to, and you've got a missus and that, you just don't get a chance to keep up to date with every single fighter coming through like I used to. So, you know, if he becomes, if he were to say unify with Lee Wood, of course I'll go back and watch even more of his fights. But for now, really fun fighter. Definitely check out the uh, Conlon fight. Brutal knockout if the fight don't make uh, the, the list. And that'll be right up there uh, as finish of the year, later on in the year. Just a wonderful, wonderful shot. Um, but Conlon, twice now he's been knocked out like that. I wonder how much he's got left. He must have had a, you know, over 100 amateur fights. If not a cut 100, as I say, he was a top um, world-ranked amateur. Most people remember him getting uh, robbed at the Olympics, of course. But um, he got silver at the uh, World Amateur Championships as well. So... He was definitely a quality fighter. Never really was sold on him like some were. Um, he never actually he got gold at the World Championship. Sorry. Um, he got gold. Um, I was never sold on him some were. Um, I thought he was a quality amateur, but my biggest concern for him was, you know, he, I think he was a bantamweight as an amateur. He sort of come in, suit bantamweight quite quickly, featherweight. He might have even fought over the limit. He looks quite decently sized at featherweight, but... I wonder whether he just can't hold the shots well there. So, and I think now, after two, 
those kind of knockouts, they're big, big, heavy knockouts. That ain't are uh, being stopped by a body shot. That ain't are uh, being dropped a couple of times and eventually being pulled out. He's been absolutely sparked. Um, forget the towel being thrown in. He was he was out of it. Badly hurt. Two knockouts like that. And he must be, what, 31, 32 now, Conlon? I'm completely guessing. I'm going to check. Good guess, Kyle. He's 31. Um, not good. Not good at all. Maybe he can revitalise himself with a move down the suit of bantam weight. Um, I'd love to see him fight Josh Warrington. There's a guy on a similarly bad run of form, and he's not a big puncher, Warrington. I'd love to see that. You know, these guys have them fight each other, then the winner can fight the winner of the unification. That's what I'd like to see. It's almost certainly going to be uh, Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington, though. And the thing is, um, again, like, we've got a couple of months to get that done. Because if it's going to be a big outdoor stadium fight, say not Wembley, you know... Uh, Warrington, in his prime, certainly had a big, sizable following. Um, and, and Lee Wood, I think people are definitely going to be captivated by his story. Um, and I think he could tell, you know, if we've just done Chris Billum Smith and Lawrence Acoli in a fucking outdoor stadium in Bournemouth, we could do something with Lee Wood and Nottingham. Fucking right, we can. I know loads of people like Lee Wood. Um, but I'd rather see the unification. Lopez is fascinating. Really fascinating fighter. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, featherweight... We've got Ray Vargas, Navarrete's just moved up. Probably a new A and Fulton are on the way to just destroy all of these guys. Um, not Fulton, ain't going to destroy no one, but if a new A walks through Fulton, you better believe that he's going to walk through everyone at Featherweight. Um, so these guys better, you know, what's the phrase? Sound like make hay while the going's good? I've just made that up. Is that a phrase? Uh. Make hay while the sun shines. I knew what I meant. I don't really like... Um, is that an idiom? Would that count as an... Is that an idiom? Oh, it's a proverb, apparently. Um, you wouldn't think I had an A-level in English, would you? But I don't study that shit anymore. Um, yeah. Fucking make your money while you can. I wouldn't be bothered at all if... Um, Lee Wood would fight Warrington coming off a loss. Because I get it. I absolutely get it. You know, when are you going to be able to have a big sort of all British domestic dust up like that for a world title? But um, would much rather see him fight Lopez, and I reckon Lee would rather fight Lopez. I reckon he'd rather try and annex the uh, IBF to his WBA, add another Mexican to the list. Um, so yeah, good weekend of uh, boxing. The Okoli Billum Smith is almost certainly the most notable because it's just a weird fucking fight, um, and you know Okoli losing. So widely was impressive uh, from Billum Smith's standpoint because Akoli had all the pedigree, and also it was just mental. From yet, yeah, you know, we had all the contra- controversy last week with Haney and, and Lomachenko. So check out Heavy Hands and the Patreon podcast uh, for that. Uh, for my thoughts on that, that fight and the scorecard. But then we get this one here, which is just a complete fucking head scratcher. I described it as line online as maybe the worst decision I've ever seen. I think. The worst I have ever seen was uh, Miharos versus Navarro from back in the day, where I think it was like one twenty one oh eight Navarro, and um, it was almost like the judge thought that Christian Miharos's name was Navarro because he won like nearly the whole fucking fight and then wasn't credited with a single round. Like that's how we're talking in terms of like terribly, terribly, terribly bad decisions. Um, but with this one, it was more a case of. Um, well, you're less likely to get uh, Chris Billum Smith and Lawrence Coley mixed up for obvious reasons, but also, like, how the fuck do you come to that scorecard? 
I can kind of figure out the other way. Maybe just blatant corruption or just a, a bit of a fucking stupid judge who's having a bad night. You know what I mean? Like, 120, 108 Miares, I might have understood. But uh, the other way around, it's like, hey, Mustard's got the name wrong. Um, with this, it's like, how the fuck? You're only going to give Chris Billum Smith the rounds that he scored knockdowns in. Doesn't really make sense. Um, so, yeah, just a complete head scratcher. The fight was like... Not fun to watch for long stretches because Akoli's negative style is so awful and tedious to watch. But at the same time, there were multiple knockdowns. Crowd was raucous. You know, Billum Smith fought his fucking heart out. Akoli had his moments. There were times where you think, fuck me. Like, he says, like, oh, yeah, I smothered my work after the fight. Yeah, you did. You had moments where you were fucking lighting him up. But just a bizarre fucking fight. That made it entertaining, even though for much of it, it was basically unwatchable so the featherweight's made up for it wood versus lara too not at all uh really engaging to watch um certainly when it became apparent that lara was not going to do much you know definitely in retrospect when i watched um highlights this morning after watching it live last night there was not much of uh, worth to take from it because you know that actually not really much of a fight the performance and lead were definitely commendable and uh, Lopez versus Conlon, fucking fireworks, great to watch. If you watch any of the free fights, highly recommend you watch that one. I'd hate to give you a dud recommendation. But hey, check them all out if you get the chance. Uh, free, quote-unquote, world title fights, all featuring um, notable fighters. Uh, and all in all, good weekend of boxing, the follow-up on last weekend's. There was some quality Muay Thai this week um, from Rajadam Nurma. I'm going to wait until the semi-finals of that tournament uh, to, to deep dive into it because I've only had a chance to see one of the fights in full and then uh, highlights of the others. So I'll be doing the fights myself and you a bit of a disservice by going into any detail. So let's wait until the uh, semi-finals of that tournament and then we'll talk about the whole the tournament as a whole. Um, no more wait. No end um, Start again, shall I? No MMA to really uh, shout home about uh, this week. But... Um, uh, you know, it was the road to UFC, fucking wild finishes uh, galore, but uh, sorry to say it, but you know, wake me up when these guys are notable fighters. Um, big news that uh, Bellator and Rising 2 is happening, that's going to be great, obviously we'll be covering that, um, and it does appear that, as I said on the uh, bonus podcast this week on the Patreon, Yes, indeed. Terence Crawford and Errol Spence, his signed, sealed and soon to be delivered. We're finally there. It's official. No more talking. It's fucking happening. So there'll be loads of coverage coming up. We've just got loads of fights coming up. It's just a bit of a quiet week in terms of really notable stuff. So hopefully you enjoyed this one. Head on over to the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. There will be a bonus episode hitting there tomorrow. And there was one last week as well. So pretty constant uh, and consistent content over there so check it out if you like this uh, podcast this episode on the regular feed hopefully you'll find more to like over there and can support me which will of course help me bring you guys some more cool shit so until the next episode have a good one we'll be back well whenever I guess um, but definitely on the Patreon very very soon so head on over there if you want to guarantee some more Combat Chronicles thanks for listening as always it really is appreciated
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.